Welcome to the Shift Daily Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's a daily bite-sized morsel of our four-hour middle-of-the-night program. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. The Shift Daily Podcast starts right now. It's The Shift. Dave Scott, Spaced Out Radio. It's time to make the connection. Dave Scott, are you there? What's um, happening, man? You've always got the good sales pitch. Well, what's happening, Dave Scott, is I've got questions from listeners for you. I've got um, okay. uh, Good News Tuesday-ish here on the show. As uh, your listeners are probably starting to get used to, we do this uh, this little thing about good news. So I thought, as I do with everybody else and our listeners too, um, you know, what is uh, what is some of the good news that's going on in Dave Scott's world that maybe you can share? You know what? I actually have some good news today. My buddy Mike, all right, good guy. Retired. He's one of these guys who retired like in his late 40s, early 50s. You know the guy we all hate because they were able to do that? Yeah. Love him. Exactly. Well, he was bored. So he came over to my house this morning and he split all of my firewood for me. Really? Yeah. I had like five five truckloads of firewood dumped in front of my carport and on my lawn. And my buddy came over and said, oh, you've been good to me lately. Let me do this for you. Wow. How amazing yeah, is that? That's yeah, good how news, cool Dave. Is that? we, we have a bit of a tradition with that. Um, do you mind if we do that here, even though we're on your show, too? Is that okay? Let, let, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do the good news. Good news. That is amazing news. Um, Thank thanks, you. Mike. Appreciate and, it. And uh, here's uh, let's um, let's throw it out to Mike and everyone else who's a leader for crushing it and being able to retire in their 40s. I love people like that. We should get Mike on the show. Let's bring Mike on the program. I don't know how he did it. Yeah, I don't That's know. I don't know. He's right. probably sleepy. He's one of these guys who gets up at like four in the morning. You know, I don't understand those people unless you're going fishing or something. Yeah, <laughs> unless you're going fishing or searching for Sasquatch. Um. All right, so Spaced Out Radio, Dave, um, last week we talked about, you know, um, kind of this, are we being hypersensitive? Does fall create more access to ghosties? Is this one of these things that we're just paying more attention? And I think we sort of landed on, you know, we just, it's kind of in our nature to sort of open up to the the ideas of the hauntings, the ghosties, all of these different things around this time of year. Is that kind of what you took from the conversation? Yeah, kind of, kind of. You know, I mean, when we get into this type of year, uh, going into October, people start planning their Halloween because Halloween has become, over the last, say, 20, 25 years, as big as Christmas when it comes to marketing and costumes. And Lord knows I miss the days of working in downtown Vancouver and walking on Robson and Granville on a Halloween night. That was always a beautiful thing for me, you know. Nothing like the Roxy on a Halloween costume night. But that's for another conversation at another that's time. That's a whole other conversation. That's good. Yes. All right. But, you know, a lot of people, too, all of a sudden get real interested in the paranormal. We start sharing our ghost stories, our UFO stories, our Bigfoot stories with people all around because it is the topic of the month. But here's the other thing. There's always people, too, who are like, you know, let's go to a cemetery. Let's go, you know, bring our cell phones, and we'll download some ghost hunting apps, and let's let's go see if we can find some ghosts. 
let's bring out the Ouija board and let's do this. You know, ghost hunting, I will say this. You know, there are tours all over the place that are in a controlled environment with people who we hope know what they're doing. But going out on your own and and really trying to contact the dead can have some pretty, pretty bad outcomes if you don't know what you're doing. For instance, you're not really supposed to go and investigate a cemetery at night. I know the paranormal investigators listening to my show will be like, why not? Well, bad things can happen. You never know. You may trip and fall and hurt yourself. Maybe stub a toe on a on a on a on a grave marker or something like that. I don't know. But on a serious note, there's a good opportunity that if you all of a sudden start taking the paranormal to another level and you have not done it before, spiritual attachment is a big thing in the paranormal community. What that is is when a ghost will attach itself to you and it will literally make you black out. You're going to do things that you don't really want to do. Maybe you get sick. Maybe you start vomiting for no reason, and you just feel very ill. You feel heavy, lethargic. All right? No, I'm not talking about my diet making me do that. All right? This is truth. I've had it happen to me. It's not fun. Many paranormal investigators have been, you know, attacked, if we put it that way, by spiritual entities. So the big forewarning out there is if all of a sudden you're trying to impress that girl or that guy on Halloween by giving them a spooky evening, call up your local paranormal team and see if you could go out for a a tour with them. Rather than, you know, jumping on the Ouija board or or trying to summon uh, the devil through the spirit boxes or whatever it may be. There is a lot of really cool things that can happen in the paranormal. It is a very interesting uh, community. It is a very interesting uh, study to, to focus on if that's what you want to have your attention. But as with everything, it is safety first, and that's what we need to focus on. Well, before we get into that, I've got to ask this question because you brought it up. Ouija boards. Yes. Real or not real? Personally, I think they're real. I mean, we know they're actually real, but is tell the you interaction a quick story. real? Yeah. I know you like my stories. I was with four others. We were using a spirit board. This a number of years ago, back in the mid-2010s. Is that proper English, the mid-2010s? I don't even I know. I think so. I think we can't okay. figure out the years all the time. I mean, I think the way that we say some of those things is just dumb. So, yeah, you give her. You take your 2010s. Okay, thank you. You. Stand, you stand tall and proud, my friend. We're, we're sitting in my friend's house. It's a small two-bedroom type of log house in Mission, British Columbia. And it's 10.30 at night. And we're sitting at their kitchen table. And in between the kitchen and the kitchen table, there is a wood stove that heats up the house. And it's 10.30 at night. It's a warm spring night. And all of a sudden, the fireplace is going. And like so it wasn't, it wasn't going? Did, no. It, oh. My friend says to me, who started the fire in the fireplace? And we're all kind of like, no, none of us. And he asked all the kids in the house, and they were like, no, we didn't touch it. You tell us not to touch it. We don't touch it. And all of a sudden, the spirit board on the planchette starts moving in a circle. Because my friend stated that he hadn't had a fire going since 930 that morning. There was not even any wood in there. You know, there's some paper and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, the planchette starts moving. And my friend's girlfriend at the time, he go, she goes, did you start the fire? 
immediately the planchette takes us to yes. So she asks why. Spells out, I was cold. Wow. That's fun. Yeah. That was a little weird. <laughs> I love it. That was love a that. little weird. Well, I had yeah. one that happened no, for me that I'll happily share too, is that the, uh, not with the, the, the spirit board or Ouija board or anything like that, is that, I mean, I was in my house, I was living in Carstairs, which is just north of, uh, of Calgary, about 30 minutes, and um, a new house, not an old house, and I would hear these voices, and I was all kinds of crazy stuff, many, many story, different stories of things going on in that house, but there was this one um, that was that was very, very clear, and there was this voice, and it was a, a, a man's voice, and I was kind of going through a bunch of different scenarios. So one of them was, and I won't, I'll share, save some for other days, but one of them was at nighttime, my kids were just toddler toddlers, but they could walk and they could, you know, open a door. And so I was sleeping and I couldn't figure out if I was dreaming or not. And I would hear the door rattle, the doorknob. So what I would do is I, I was like, go to bed, whatever, try to ignore it. And then I finally got so fed up. I was like pissed off dad mode. And I was like, and I get up and I stomp, stomp, stomp. And I rip open the door expecting to see my kid wide awake in the middle of the night playing a joke. There's nobody there. And I, I, it happened again and again and night after night after night. So I finally went into my son's room. My daughter was in a crib. She couldn't walk yet. And he was sound asleep. The next morning, um, I was downstairs. I was by myself in the house. And this is in broad daylight. There was this big booming voice from upstairs in the hallway where the door is for that who i just give me shivers just telling the story and um and it was kind of inaudible but there was a big voice there and i walked around i was like hello and then there was this big laugh you know this ah thing and it was it wasn't like a movie scary corny but it was a big laugh and a big voice and all i did was friend of mine's clairvoyant and i said she told me what to do she said look all you have to do is just tell them that they're not welcome and um, all that stuff. So I just said, look, you're scaring my family. Here's the deal. If you want to, you're welcome to be here as long as you don't scare the children and you don't scare my family. If you're here to scare us, you go now. You're not welcome here. And I just kind of big, strong voice tried to do what, uh, you know, my buddy Carlin said, and I threw it out there and it all stopped and went away. And so I thought it was a dream, all the things going on in that space upstairs. I really did. And I, and I, the audience can think I'm crazy, whatever. I'd had all kinds of these sort of spiritual moments. And, um, but the reality is, is when it happened in broad daylight and it immediately responded to the way that I spoke in it, that to me was 100%. I was like, okay, yeah, the doorknob, that's not a dream. That was all real. And, uh, and then it went away and never came back again. When I said, if you're here to scare the family, you're not welcome here. And then it left. And that was my first real negative experience. I've had lots of positive experiences, but that was my first real scary negative experience where it was very clear to me that something else was going on. Yeah, no kidding. Wow. Wow. We got to have you on the show one yeah, night to I talk about I can tell you all kinds of ghost us. stories. Yeah, I can. I can talk about all kinds of things. So you, you use the word conjuring when we spoke earlier today on the email yes. with the gang here. So help me understand the difference because conjuring sort of, to me comes up for creating. It's like creating it from nothing. Like maybe there was nothing going on, but people accidentally inspire it, create it or uh, ignite it, if you will. So how did conjuring matter for you in this conversation? 
it mattered because a lot of people who have no idea what the paranormal is like, but it comes Halloween and all of a sudden they want to become the spooky friend or, or, you know, have a good scare or something. And when you conjure up that type of energy, that type of paranormal activity, you really don't know what you're bringing across that threshold in the paranormal. Many people call it the veil. Okay. And when you cross that line and you haven't put your intentions out that you would like to talk, you know, cause you can't just sit there and say, I'd like to talk to aunt Wilma, you know, who left me a million dollars in her will. That doesn't work. You could try, but the chances are you might not be able to get her. You don't know about prayer. You don't know about, you know, setting your intentions or, or, you know, protecting yourself to make sure that extra or any type of evil entity or not so good entity comes through in that communication. That's the difficulty of it, you know, and if you don't know how to close the doors, like on a Ouija board, they always say, you know, say goodbye. All right. Or if you are channeling spirits, you don't know what's going to enter your body to chat with them. And you being having an intuitive friend, you probably know all about channeling and no, it's not flipping through the channels on your TV as fast as you can. All right. You have to be able to understand that if you don't know how to close the doors, if you don't know how to say goodbye, if you don't know how to to protect yourself and the people that you are surrounded with at that time, the energy that you conjure up can actually stay with you. This is where a lot of people have bad luck. You know, we always hear, you know, that person walks around with a black cloud over their head all the time. This could be why. Uh, okay, that's very clear. Um, yeah, we're gonna I see tried. more of this stuff through through. Uh, no, that's very clear. I like it. Um, are we gonna see more of this stuff leading into Halloween? You think? Do, do your listeners often share these kinds of stories with you on Spaced Out Radio? I get every day. Every really? day, I have people sharing stories with me. It's amazing. We're going to be adding those type of stories to our YouTube channel pretty soon. Yeah, you know, I like it. I, I just have to figure out how to edit. Yeah. Once I get the editing stuff down, you know, it's easy to edit audio. But when you got a face for radio and you've spent, you know, as long as I have in radio, you in radio, audio is easy. But when you get yeah, into true. the whole video side, you have to have graphics and everything. It's we, just a pain. We in get the lost. Yeah, we do. All right. You so some, um, you have some questions. Have li- listener question here for you. And um, I know this as being a synthetic chemical. Um, so I don't know any connection other than that. Um, Muscovium, which is element 115. Um, and, and so the, the listener asked this question says for Dave Scott, uh, has he ever seen evidence of element 115? Well, I mean, scientifically there's evidence there, but have you ever seen it in regards to, uh, some of your conversations about future technologies? And from that perspective, I think he's talking about visitors and, um, this element right. 115, has it landed in your lap? No, no. The only time we ever hear anything about element 115 is when it comes to Bob Lazar and, whether or not he was allegedly able to smuggle some out of Area 51 when he worked there before he got busted. Uh, That is only a rumor, and Bob still hasn't confirmed or denied if that happened. I think he likes the story, all right? Um, But as for it uh, helping in propulsion of UFO aircraft, it's only a, a wild theory, and I hate to be the debunker on this, my Twitter crowd is going to hate that because they like the woo. All right. But it's it's literally about 
about Bob Lazar, and that's all we usually ever hear about it when it comes to UFOs. So I'm sorry to break your heart. No, that's good. It's a, it's a good question to, to ask. I Thank you very much. There was no name attached to the text message, but it's absolutely a good question to ask. Why not do that? Now, just to be clear from Muscovium and the element 115, it's synthetic uh, chemical and uh, its atomic number is 115. That's where it comes from. That's what I do know mm-hmm. about it. Now, if you do want to Google it, even Wikipedia does have um, two things to it. Um, there is a material science in science fiction article that is related on there that does get into some of that uh, that you were talking about, uh, Dave Scott, with with the different pieces of of that. So if people are want to learn more about right. 115 and where that lands, um, you can look into. There is uh, direct conspiracy theories, of course, tangled around that one. And Dave Scott says that he hasn't seen it yet. Dave, thank you so much for sharing the time. I appreciate you being on, man. Always a pleasure, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. We'll talk to you next week. Maybe uh, through the course of October. Maybe we're going ghosty for a couple of weeks. Hey, eh? let's Sounds let's do it. Me. I'm there for All you, right. buddy. I am Spaced there for you. Yeah, I love it. Spaced Out Radio, spacedoutradio.com. Get all the links, check out the shows and the podcasts to uh, right there. Dave Scott, thank you so much. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. We got in a conversation here uh, a few weeks ago with Sir Christopher Gilbert and um, with Matt MacArthur. Now, Jason Manalis, you are not a part of this conversation. I'm sorry. Um, so you get to listen from the perspective of hearing it for the first time. Um, and we, we couldn't figure out the names. And so people tossed around, you know, the King and Malord, and I had shared that I love castles and sort of all of these things. Now, I don't know if it was Google listening to me or how this comes up, but I started seeing ads for titles, you know, become a Lord, become a lady, whatever you're into. And, uh, so I started looking into it and I'm going to bring on our guest now. And, uh, his name is Stephen Rossiter and Stephen is joining us from Scotland uh, via the telephone. Uh, Stephen, are you there? I certainly am. Good morning okay, great. So Perfect. All right, this is so good. So help us understand where in Scotland you are, first of all. So I'm in an area called Glencoe, which is to the uh, northwest of, uh, of Scotland in the Highlands. So if you uh, get to Glasgow and drive for about two and a half hours in a sort of north northwesterly direction, you eventually get to the Glencoe region, and our nature reserve is uh, is in that area. Perfect. Now, I'm going to explain what all this means. So, Stephen is with an organization called Highland Titles. Now, I found out, and Stephen, I know that you're you're a good businessman who's not going to bash your competition, but I did a bunch of research here, and I just want to tell people, if you do sure. some look in, looking into this, you're going to find a couple of things real quick. You're going to find a couple of different organizations that do this, and a couple of them are heavy, heavy, heavy social media advertising right now. And so I have no problem doing this because I had conversations with, there's another group uh, called Established Titles. They are out of Hong Kong. They are not in Scotland, and I know that because I spoke with Kat. And I will tell you that I talked to Kat about their product. She was very professional. She was very kind, very well-spoken. You know, she's great. She was great to talk to. We just lost communication um, because I was trying to find out more information about this. So she was good to me. I have nothing bad to say about them. But I can tell you that they are selling this product uh, over in Scotland, but they are based in Hong Kong. You need to know that. There's another one that's called Sealand, which is not Scotland at all. It's actually just a platform in the ocean, which has nothing to do with actual dirt. But you can buy yourself a barren title. Uh, from them. Uh, it's actually kind of a cool story. I do recommend you reading it, but you're buying, you're basically paying them for a piece of paper that uh, is uh, on a, like a, a, a platform from the war. So all of these things uh, out there, Highland titles with a bunch of research uh, is in Scotland. This is where Steve is from and Highland titles is exactly that. It's a, it's giving the gift of conservation 
it's giving the gift of a little bit of novelty and fun. And um, it's uh, that's where the, the reserve is that, that they have there. And it's plots of land that you can buy and help us understand what the history of Glencoe, Scotland, uh, being a landowner there and what all this means, Steve. I think that that sets sure. it up fairly. I, I think sure. the audience, I just okay. want the audience to hear quickly before we do that, that there's, I'm speaking yeah. to this with Steve because of the fact that of all of the research I did with the other organizations, this to me is the most upfront of all of it, of it being novelty and fun. So let, now take it from there, Steve, tell us what you're about. I, I, well, I think you've, you've, you've explained it very well, Shane. I mean, it is about novelty and fun. I mean, p- please don't think that by, uh, uh, parting with your uh, hard-earned 75 Canadian dollars, you're going to suddenly become royalty and get invites to royal weddings and be able to sit in our Houses of Parliament. It, it's, it's not like that. It, it is about conservation. You have to think, um, you have to think uh, crowdfunding. Um, you have to think about sort of the, the ch- charitable aspect of it. So um, what, what we did, we started uh, just over uh, 10 years ago now, and um, it was about um, a chap who had just had a love for Scotland. And they had uh, a house in, uh, in um, Lock Harbour, which is about an hour's drive from where I am now. Um, and uh, the, their daughter needed to raise some funds to go to university. And she'd seen on eBay, I think it was, um, a guy who was trying to raise funds to renovate his castle. Uh, or his house that he owned, which is a, a bit of like a castle. And he was selling some square foots of land. And she said to her father, well, you know, this, this looks like a good idea. And he just sort of said, well, do it if you want. But, you know, I can't see anybody parting with money just to get a piece of paper with a with a title on. Um, but anyway, they divided up um, an acre of their uh, estate on um, in, in Scotland and um, put it on eBay and wow, the, it sort of, the Highland Titles was born from that. Um, mm. He was uh, working in the pharmaceutical industry but uh, wanted to get out and, you know, had a love for Scotland and his, his dream was to sort of preserve parts of Scotland and to own nature reserve, you know, he, and um, that's what he's done. We've got two wonderful nature reserves now, our, our, our mother one being the Glencoe Wood Nature Reserve. Um, and it's all been funded by people buying a square foot or a 10 square foot, 100 square foot. We've never had any government grants. We've never had any bank loans. We basically, as the money's come in, we've put it into the reserve. We've um, made pathways. We now have um, uh, volunteers. And in fact, we employ one person up there now to manage the two because uh, (laughs) this year has been very different. But last year, we had over 10,000 visitors uh, come to the nature reserve. Some owned a part of it. Some didn't know about us. Some were just passing through. Some had heard about us through friends and wanted to see what we were doing. And um, it really is a good read. I mean, if you go to our website, HighlandTitles.com, there is so much, as I know you have, uh, Shane, there's so much information about what we do, where the money goes. Uh, we've had wildcat rescue centers. We've got a hedgehog hospital there now where we take in injured hedgehogs. Uh, so we're working with the local uh, veterinary people. Uh, I mean, times are, are very different at the moment. I mean, as we all are going through some tricky times now. But, you know, we're, we're still um, protecting the wildlife and, and the beauty of Scotland. So we've thrown around sort of Highland titles. We've thrown all these things. Now, I learned mostly about this, and I'm sort of ashamed to say, Steve, by watching um, Outlander, um, the yeah, Laird. Yeah. Story, um, the, the story of the, well, the laird, laird, the landowner, the landowner, 
yeah, the laird, the landowner, and and that's kind of where I was like, oh, hey, this is kind of cool. Now my my family background is sort of a blend of uh, mostly Irish and then Scottish, and uh, and English. Matt MacArthur's background, as best he knows it, is English, but Matt is um, as ginger handsome as they come, uh, both bearded and and long haired. So. Um, now, Matt, you, what was your background as best you understood it? Uh, well, I know as far back as my, my grandmother, uh, she was uh, British. Um, but as far as I, and forgive me if I'm completely wrong here, uh, MacArthur's tend to come from the Scottish area? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think yeah. you're right. No, yes. absolutely right. I mean, I'll be very honest with you guys. I'm a Londoner. I was born and bred in London. Oh, uh, I'm as English as in- English is. Uh, but I got into this because there was a, a friend of mine who started this up and he said, you know, I, I, I think we could do something with this. And my background is in sales marketing. And uh, I said, yeah, it's a novelty gift. You know, if we can market it as a novelty gift, it, it's probably got a bit of legs. So um, mm-hmm. I teamed up with him and uh, and here we are 10 years I later. I love it. You know. So good. Okay, so, uh, um, so let I me feel tell like you, going... I want me to tell you about Laird. I mean, Laird yeah. is, the, is, the, is the key to this. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, everyone who owns land in Scotland is, is effectively a laird, but you don't have the people who own their houses in Glasgow, you know, stomping around saying that they're lairds. Um, laird tends to be used by, as you see in Outlander, those that own acres and acres of land. Um, they say, I'm the laird of this area or the laird of that area. But there's nothing to stop anybody who has a small piece of land saying, well, I'm a laird of that. So what we did is we took that, aspect or uh, what all these companies do is you take that aspect of owning land in Scotland of being a laird and say right the English translation of that is lord so you're effectively a lord so it's a courtesy title as I said right at the beginning it isn't a a, a title bestowed upon you by royalty you know you get absolutely don't kid yourself there's no privileges with this whatsoever but I've got it on my credit card because you can if you want to put it on a um on, on your bank, you can address yourself as Lord. What you can't do is is go and put it on passports or in most jurisdictions, you can't put it on driving licenses. So it just replaces Mr. and Lady replaces um, Mrs. Yeah, so that's so exciting. So um, the, the, the cool part that, that it lands with me is that, you know, um, and, and Joe, I want to be clear that if you if you search this, there is a very dark underbelly of of um, of buying and selling scams on proper proper royal titles there's all kinds of stuff out yeah. there in scams that have happened and so that's why we're you very clear when we talk about yeah. this yeah you've got to think about how much money you're spending you know i mean i don't believe i i haven't read you know there are there are websites out there where you can spend thousands and thousands of dollars and you effectively get a baronship or a title I, we haven't really looked into that what what we say is you know, this you're spending 75 Canadian dollars here, or just under 75 Canadian dollars. Think about that. Do you think for 75 Canadian dollars you're going to get a, a title that's going to allow you access to the royal family, access to the House of the Parliament? This is about a fun gift which you can give to the person, maybe the person who has everything, you know, um, and you are helping um, conservation and nature at the same time. That's what we try to, to put across. I love it. All right. So it's title, HighlandTitles.com. Now, we had spoken um, beforehand about this, Steve. And uh, Matt, if you can open up your uh, your phone um, on your personal email. Okay. Um, I forwarded you an email um, that has two documents on it. And so I'm wondering if you could open that up and take a little look at it and, and let us know uh, how that lands for you. 
Oh, I'm a lord. Yes. <laughs> so tell us what it says. Tell us what it says there, Maddie. I'm Lord of Glencoe. Uh, da, 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 da. Lord Matthew MacArthur, here and after called the Lord. Highland titles. Oh, Roy Bridge, Scotland. Amazing. I'm a lord. So there it is. <laughs> I'm a lord. I'm that's a good. Lord. Yeah. I love it. So, so that's what it is. I mean, it, you, it's a, yeah, it's a so gift that you can get. People can download you... immediately when you order. If you want yeah. to, uh, we, we, to everybody who orders, we send out a gift pack to everyone. There's no downloadable only option. But because of postage, and especially now, this has been crucial that we've been getting this right because post has been taking so long over the last uh, four or five months. You can, one, as soon as you place your order, you can immediately download the certificate. So if you've got a birthday or a special occasion coming up tomorrow or the day after, you can buy from us, download it straight away. We print and pack within 24 hours and send it out by Royal Mail, which then goes to the country equivalent. So in your case, Canadian Post would get, would get it and then they would um, deliver it to you. I think delivery to Canada at the moment is taking anywhere between three weeks and two months. It just seems to be a bit of a lottery as to how long mail takes. Um, we get customers who email us within two weeks and say, hey, I've got it straight away, you know, and thank you very much. And then we get customers who are emailing us after two months saying, I haven't got anything. You know, and it, it's just, it's extremely frustrating, but it's the times that we live in at the moment. And uh, thankfully, you know, um, our customers are very patient. Love it. Okay, so highlandtitles.com. There you go. If you want to give the gift of Lord or Lady of Glencoe, uh, you can do that and help out with the nature conversation. For the sake of being thorough, Steve, I'm going to read the disclaimers that are at the very bottom of the website as well. It says, please please note, it says you'll be addressed by your choice of Laird, Lord, or Lady by us and within our 200,000 strong community. Please note, you cannot buy a noble title. This is for enjoyment purposes only. You obtain a personal right to a souvenir plot of land. This uh, is a form of heritable property that you can pass on to future generations. Highland Titles remains the registered landowner and manages the land on your behalf you get your name stuck on it and you can always go visit because it is open to the public thanks for being on the show um it's if you want to check it out the gift is amazing it's a lot of fun we now have uh, lord matthew MacArthur on the program just saying um it's a novelty item it's so good and it helps out the conservation that they're doing over there too at highlandtitles.com um, they didn't pay us to do all this. It was just so interesting. Um, check it out if you're looking for something fun. Um, I, if you're going to decide to go with a different route, I advise you to please do all your reading and educate yourself. So thank you so much for being so generous with your time, Stephen. I really appreciate it, and I do look forward to Absolutely. bringing you back on the show. Absolutely. It'd be a pleasure. Thank you very much. Right this is the Shift Daily Podcast. Presidential debate down in the States. Your text messages are very, very clear. Um, Roadhammer says, so what you're saying is about the presidential debate. It was awesomely terrible. Uh, it was terribly awesome, awesomely terrible. Could go either way. Um, uh, Trucker Kevin said, Shane, my 17-year-old said to me tonight that we have more serious and presentable debates in high school. Wow, just saying. Um, another texter, Dave says, uh, it's political blood sport, not for the timid or the sensitive. Uh, you're right, Dave, it is. Uh, I wish it wasn't, though, and it doesn't have to be. See, here's the thing, is that... Um, it doesn't have to be nasty, right? I'll explain why in a quick second. So let's let's take a little clip here of uh, some of the stuff that happened on the presidential debate yesterday, the very first one. Um, let's get to the first clip there, Matt. He knew how dangerous it was going to be back in February, and he didn't even tell you. He's on record as saying it. 
He panicked or he just looked at the stock market. One of the two, because guess what? A lot of people died and a lot more are going to die unless he gets a lot smarter, a lot quicker. So, Mr. President, did you use the word smart? Uh, so you said you went to Delaware State, but you forgot the name of your college. You didn't <laughs> go to so. Delaware State. You graduated either the lowest or almost the lowest in your class. Don't ever use the word smart with me. Don't ever use that word. Oh, give me a break. Because you know what? There's nothing smart about you, Joe. 47 years, you've done nothing. Well, let's have this debate. And if you would have had, let me just tell you something, Joe. No, if you would have had the charge of what I was put through, I had to close the greatest economy in the history of our country. And by the way, now it's being built again. You see, and it's going to get to the fast. economy in the next segment, sir. Okay. Rare. Okay, so um, the, the interrupting was just impossible to sit through, which I think that if Trump wanted to create a scenario that was chaos and so people would tune out and not listen to what Biden had to say, I think he succeeded. I think that's what it is. I think it's nothing but a play. It's nothing but a, an agenda, and he's being very tactical in, in doing it. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying absolutely create chaos. Don't let Biden get a word in edgewise because if he starts talking, it could be trouble. Here's another instance of, uh, from the uh, debate last night where Biden literally told the president to shut up. Congress. So my question to you is you have refused in the past to talk about it. Are you willing to tell the American people tonight whether or not you will support either ending the filibuster or packing the court? Whatever position I take on that, that'll become the issue. The issue is the American people should speak. You should go out and vote. You're in voting now. Vote and let your senators know how you strongly you feel. Court? Let Vote now. Are you pack the Make court? sure you, in fact, let people know you're a senator. I'm not going to answer the question. Why because, would you answer that because question? Because the you question is, the question Supreme is, the radical question, left. Will you who shut is up, on, man? Listen, who is on your list, Joe? This Who's is on your so list? right. Gentlemen, is, I think this we've is ended so this. He's pack the court. We have ended this segment. So just to be clear, they make an agreement before they go in there, people, and say, look, you're allowed two minutes to respond. We agree to not interrupt each other. I mean, there's agreements going in. And that was just as a fan of the black and white, there were agreements going in. They were not respected at all. So the bickering lasted through the entire debate. And uh, look, I think that Trump looked just dreadful in this, but Biden was not free and clear either because he told him to shut up. And then he did this and called him this. Word, well, it's hard to get any word in with this clown. Excuse me. This, hey, hey this let me person. just say, you. No, no, no. I'm no. Mr. President. I'm a- so it, then like there was an argument with Chris Wallace, who was hosting it uh, with Trump. And it was just it was absolutely dreadful. And we're not going to get into it much more than that. Just to let you know what it was. There are supposed to be two more. Um, who knows if they're going to happen? Clearly, they're going to happen because, I mean, you know, they're not going to back off that. But I'm going to say this. I'm just going to say this. When we see this in Canada, I would say the same thing. But when we see this down in America, America, there's your mirror. That's your mirror. We had Steve on from Scotland and the way that it's being perceived in the UK. Uh, this is how it's being perceived in Canada. And anyone who's listening in America, this is how the world is looking at you. That's your mirror. That debate last night, that is the mirror. And tactical or not, which I believe it was 100% tactical, that's the mirror. And that's the reason why it's like that is because people are consuming it. And they're eating it up. And that's really sad, I think, for politics and democracy in general. That's it. Look in the mirror. All right. Um, that's the heavy stuff. Can we, get, can, we do, can we do some good news? Cleanse the palate here, Matt, please. Good news, everyone. It's about time for some good news. Oh, 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 oh
We need lighters for this. We need some shift lighters. We need to do that. Um, okay, so here's a story that came out of Calgary. A Calgary man is savoring uh, this incredible return of a long-lost treasure. Uh, Gil Tucker reports the recovery of this very powerful piece of his past that he thought was gone forever, like more than two decades ago. Kevin Neifer is an old hand at this. 33 years I've been uh, out treasure hunting. Usually it's more trash than treasure. Just a bottle cap. But one day he's out sweeping around here at Sakomi Lake and he strikes gold. This ring I would have found probably about 25 years ago. A couple of years after Chris Spronk was given a real treasure. Christmas 1992. My mom was already sick with uh, stage 4 liver cancer. And, uh, we knew we didn't have long. She had taken all the gold that she had worn in her life. She just melted it all down and she made these two rings for uh, my brother and I. She passed away four months after that. And uh, I, I wore it all the time. It was a piece of her that was always with me. Until the summer of 1995, when Chris is enjoying the sunshine at Sokomi. I was down here with some friends and we were just throwing football around in the water. I go to throw it and then I look at my hand. It's like my ring wasn't there. It was gone. And then over the past few days, some social media connections. And uh, I'm reading and I go, oh, I have that ring. The one he'd found here a quarter century ago. Well, Chris, uh, I got your ring and I, I put it into a box. So you don't lose it again. <laughs> I'm so glad I can return it to you. Thank you. On the inside, it just says, Chris love mom. Mother's love for their sons is something special. And your mom now, looking above, down low, like, she's probably thrilled too. Yep. Thank you for the storage for 25 years because now I can enjoy it again and I really know what it means to me. Gil Tucker, Global News. Wow. Isn't that a remarkable story? To think that, a um, little bit of good news. Can we do the good news? Can we do the good news? Can we, can we? That is good news. So imagine the feeling when he's playing football and he goes to throw it and then the ring is gone. That would be heartbreaking. Um, that'd be hard to live uh, live with after your mom melted down all of your gold, all of her gold uh, before she passed away. And then the engraving. 25 years later, he gets it back. And uh, it's perfect. So good. I love that story. If you have good news stories, you can feel free to share them anytime here. Good News Tuesday is something that we do and we kick it off on It's Good News Tuesday-ish as we broadcast still on our Tuesday in Ontario. It's not quite Tuesday, but still, hey, why not, right? Good News Tuesday-ish, 877-399-9898. It doesn't have to be as big of a story as that. It can be whatever it is, uh, wherever it lands for you. Okay, uh, at this time, as we get close to the uh, end of the program, there's sometimes some stories that we didn't get to, and we call it In Case You Missed It. In case you missed it on the radio, here's Jason Manawas. Manawas. Awesome. Momoa. All right. Well, I will Moana. <laughs> Moana. All right. So uh, for tonight, in case you missed it, uh, let's talk about bubble success because uh, one bubble concluded uh, yes, uh, two days ago yesterday, depending on what time zone you're in. The Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup. So that concluded the mm -hmm. NHL's bubble. Um, so that's, uh, that's, uh, that was concluded, uh, today, uh, the NBA finals start at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Um, so that's, uh, the conclusion of the NBA bubble, uh, will, um, will soon be there. And, uh, the, it's been very successful. Um, there's been very few COVID cases 
And Alberta Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Dina Hinshaw, said close collaboration led to, to the success of the NHL playoff bubble in Edmonton, where there wasn't a single case of COVID-19 identified in the nearly two months that players and staff were in the city. Here's a clip. I think one of the, the really key things that we saw in this process of having the NHL decide to come to Edmonton as one of the host cities was the importance of really close collaboration with an organizing group uh, and public health that we were able to work in advance, that we were able to set out protocols that would protect public health, as well as providing uh, an advice to what would keep the, the players and staff in that tournament safe. And that really close cooperation and communication so that all different parts of that tournament proceeded uh, with the ongoing efforts of all of us to make sure that we were, um, again, all communicating regularly about developments. I think that the ability to have a, a strict bubble that was enforced combined with uh, testing that was done, I think those were all things that worked well. The ability of private pay testing to have those tests not a part of our public system and, and not contributing to any of the wait times in the public system was helpful. And so I think those are all the things that we're looking at, where as we have other groups that are interested in, in doing a similar version of uh, competitive play, and of course, uh, we want to make sure that we are continuing to give our best public health advice and our number one priority for any event will be that it would not jeopardize the public's health, but also that we're able to utilize the information we have about COVID-19 to structure a safe playing environment uh, for everyone who's involved. Do we have him? Do we lose him? Oh, we don't got him. There he is. <laughs> oh. My mistake. Hello. The little fader was down on the board. All good. All good. So, um, yeah, so that's uh, that's bubble success for you. Uh, it seems to be working very well. Uh, is it sustainable? Probably not. These leagues need the revenue from the fans and the tickets and all of that. Um, so probably not sustainable. Uh, but it's good that we do have something, a formula um, for sports, especially during COVID-19. Now, yep. the success of the NHL bubble has people hoping for a repeat performance when the World Juniors come to Edmonton at the end of 2020. Global News Toronto's Vinesh Pradup takes a look at the lessons learned and what it could mean for the city. When the bubble went up, everything was a big unknown. I think the NHL and all the people involved with the bubble uh, itself should be commended. U of A sports economist Dan Mason credits all sides, including the players who bought into the idea. This is an opportunity for the NHL and the players because they share revenues to, to get, you know, to, to ease the losses that they had with the season potentially being canceled. The province's chief medical officer of health praises all sides for simply following the available science. We were able to set out protocols that would protect public health as well as providing uh, an advice to what would keep the, the players and staff in that tournament safe. Many will now examine what happened in Edmonton. Another bubble experience will unfold in December when the World Juniors hit town. Hockey Canada is following up with the NHL. Our focus is on the safety of all participants and we're definitely committed to following the directives of all health authorities associated with this event. As the pandemic continues, fans are left to wonder if the bubble experience can work as a new norm, in a sense. But I think that that template is not going to necessarily be 
what the NHL requires or wants. I think it's going to be a different, um, a different idea or a different selling or a different pitch to go to players and potentially say, are you willing to move and be in isolation or under these circumstances for four to six months? As for if the city can capitalize on the bubble's success, Mason says people shouldn't expect any kind of economic windfall, but he believes a problem-free experience can help boost civic pride. The fact that there weren't any issues may make Edmonton more attractive to, to doing these kinds of events. Vinesh Pratap, Global News. In case you missed it, Jason Manawas, rocking the bubble. Yeah. Who's going to win the uh, NBA title? Uh, Lakers are my pick, um, but this uh, Miami Heat team looks uh, pretty feisty. Um, and it's LeBron James' old team. So they have, they sort of have a chip on their shoulder, uh, on their shoulder as well. So there's so many storylines. Like I tweeted this the other day on my Twitter account that this NBA final has probably the most storylines mm-hmm. of, of any final just because of how everything has played out. Um, first of all, it's in a bubble. So first NBA final in a bubble. Um, there's old rivalries, uh, old teammates. Um, so yeah, it'll be pretty interesting. And you know what? Not only that, it goes to show. When you have a star like LeBron and all these guys on your team, how the team gets better when they're there and how they make the next team that much better too. I mean, there's proof of that with Toronto and uh, Miami and uh, LA and then the Clippers. I mean, it's, it's, it's remarkable stuff. Thanks so much. In case you missed it with Jason Manawas. Jason Manawas. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Tune into the show online or on the radio.